We've got Ned Lamont, the governor of Connecticut, joining us this morning to let us know about a number of things, including some international travel he's been doing. Mr. Governor, good morning. Always a pleasure to have you on. And for starters, tell us about your trip to Paris. Hey, Wayne. Wayne, good to talk to you. I haven't talked to you in a little bit. Uh, Paris Air Show, um, 25,000 folks. Um, you know, 25 Connecticut companies were there. You know, the big guys, Brad Whitney and Collins and Sikorsky. But, um, you know, a couple dozen smaller companies, all part of the supply chain. And we do our bit to, you know, get them um, introduced around um, uh, all the different booths there in terms of business. But just as importantly, we talk to a lot of the other small businesses that are represented there. Uh, maybe they're part of the Pratt Whitney supply chain. Say, don't you want to get closer to Connecticut, closer to the honeypot? Good leads. And you brought a delegation along as well. Just give an idea of what the message was and what kind of response you got. Did, did you think the trip was productive in bringing some more business, some economic development to the state of Connecticut from that Paris air show? Yeah, we went with Alexandra Dom, who runs uh, economic development. And the Peter Dinius and John Bordeaux, who do uh, Advanced CT. Advanced CT represents really all the businesses here in the state of Connecticut. So we had a really strong uh, outreach team. The response was positive. There are probably five or six other governors there, and um, you know they're all hovering around Pratt and Whitney as well. So I got to get in there on my elbow and say, "Hey, this is a great Connecticut company, and that's why I'm here." Did you have any escargot while you were in Paris? I can't even pronounce that, but we had some pretty good crepes. <laughs> wow, okay, good. Taking part of some of the local cuisine as well. You are going to be signing a bill today that will have an effect on health care costs and health care delivery. Tell me more about that. Yeah, you want to deal with the high cost of health care and what it's costing you, um, you know, at the pharmacy or uh, what you got to pay uh, uh, for a procedure at the hospital. you got to deal with those underlying costs. So that's what this bill is. We did that uh, with the legislature, uh, a couple of things. Um, probably most important is an anti-steering provision, which means your insurance company now can um, uh, tell you where you get the best value for the dollar. That means quality as well as cost. And uh, so we get a little more transparency in the system out there. And we haven't talked since you signed the, the budget, but I thought the most Maybe the most significant thing about the budget, aside from the tax cut, which, of course, is a big plus for most Connecticut residents, was the bipartisanship involved in this budget. That's a word you don't hear a lot in politics these days. Is there a way that that got done bipartisan? No, I really appreciate it. Everybody was constructive. Um, you know, first couple of years, some folks sat on the sidelines saying, I don't like the way you're doing it, Governor. I said, well, fine, let's see your budget and let's uh, compare notes. And no, I don't like the way you're doing it. This time, um, the appropriations uh, came up with a really strong budget of their own. Republicans came up with their own budget. So then we could sit around a table and compare notes. And uh, we came up with a broad consensus on how to uh, keep the state going. We kept within our fiscal guardrails. We got a tax cut. We made significant investments in education and housing. Chris Murphy was the host of the National Safer Communities Summit back on June the 16th and... The president, Joe Biden, was at that. Let's talk about the summit and the significance of having the president make an appearance in Connecticut, which doesn't happen very often. No, I was very thankful the president was here, and he saluted Connecticut. Uh, he said, uh, you know, you've been a leader when it comes to, uh, you know, common sense gun safety laws. 
And Chris Murphy has been a leader in taking some of the reforms we've got going in Connecticut and doing that on a bipartisan basis in Washington. So uh, hats off to them. They still have a way to go, though. You also last week approved $24 million in state funding to remediate 22 blighted properties and put them into productive use to grow jobs and new housing. And there's some local benefits in that. Norwich is getting $2 million for abatement, cleanup, and potential demolition of two historic buildings. And Wyndham gets one grant for $140,000 to conduct Phase 1, 2, and 3 assessments and develop a remediation action plan at a vacant site located near the Wyndham Mills at 322 B Main Street, and another $100,000 grant to conduct a site investigation into the former giant vac property at Machine Shop Hill Road in South Wyndham to determine if there are contaminants there. So those are some local effects of that, but just speak to the bigger picture of statewide money that's being put forth to reduce blighted properties. Yeah, Wayne, I mean, pull the... Um Lens back. Um, we were a great manufacturing center uh, going back a uh, hundred years ago. A lot of those buildings um, and sites have been uh, deserted. Um, and if I want to get them back on the tax rolls, if I want them for housing or other purposes, you got to clean them up. And it's not like a developer will come in and pay for it all themselves. So we're accelerating that. Like you mentioned, the project in the Norwich. Uh, that's a possibility to make that. Uh, available for development, maybe some more housing in the downtown area, bring Norwich to life in a big way with more young families there. And that starts with remediation of these old blighted properties. It's also a health issue. And along the same lines, you've announced $7 million in state grants for upgrades and improvements in 34 cultural and historic sites in Connecticut. And one of those is Art Reach in Norwich. One of those is the Museum of Connecticut Glass in Coventry getting $49,999,000. The Norwich Historical Society gets $306,000. And the Wyndham Theater Guild gets $49,999,000 to buy new seats and tables for the Burton Levitt Theater, which will allow the Guild to increase the variety and number of performances and events that can be held at the theater. So tell me more about the concept behind the Good to Great Grant Program. Look, we've got some amazing uh, cultural um centers here where people want to come, they want to visit, they learn about what made this uh, state so special going back to yesteryear, and it's part of our tourism. We have uh, more people visiting the state than ever before. That's such a big deal, especially um, in southeast Connecticut, which is uh, so popular with people around the region. And secondly, we're sort of an older state. you got to keep upgrading what you got to keep it beautiful, and that's what these grants are all about. Now, yesterday, you and Commissioner Dykes made statements on President Biden's announcement of $144 million to improve broadband connectivity in Connecticut. Now, my internet works okay, both at home and on the phone and so forth. So give me an idea of how this improved broadband connectivity is going to work and who it will affect the most. All right, so we found out, um, you know, during the worst of COVID where people were doing more and more remotely from home, that uh, you had to have connectivity. It's not a nice to have for your social game, but it's also key when it comes to healthcare and education and work and telecommuting. So we think it, it should be a universally available uh, service. And the Biden administration, as you point out, you know, gave us uh, $144 million to make sure those communities, sometimes they're in urban areas, often they're in um, more remote rural areas, we get that last mile of infrastructure. That's often cable or microwaves so we can get those folks connected uh, to the internet 
You know, it's amazing in the last year how many wrong-way drivers, how many wrong-way accidents, many fatal have been. And a couple of weeks ago, you signed legislation expanding the use of wrong-way driving alert systems. How will those work? It is shocking. I mean, it's not like um, alcohol is new or even social media is new, and yet, um, you know, COVID and post-COVID, the number of wrong-way driving deaths is really accelerated, is dangerous. So we're doing a number of things, Wayne. Um, you know, A, putting up the signs. B, putting up flashers in those, um, you know, junctions where you're most likely to have, um, you know, wrong-way drivers. Sometimes we're changing the feel on the road so you can hear the bumps as you're going in the wrong direction. Um, you know, we have more entrances and egresses to our highways than any state in the country because we're very dense. That also leads to some confusion, especially if you're not paying attention. So when do you think those will be in place and operational? We're starting right now. So um, I think you'll see dramatic differences by the end of this year. And from the educational front, you've launched a modernized 2023 summer reading challenge with a $370,000 investment to support learning and literacy efforts. How does that work? And you trying to get me to read more this summer? <laughs> Yes, Wayne, you should read more. Um, look, we, it's working. We have um, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of kids now reading. Every class, every district, every school, you know, they monitor how much they're reading. Um, and we're trying to do it not just on how many books you read, but sort of what, per, what percentage of the kids have, have read a number of books this summer and then make sure they can talk about it. You know, reading is great. It helps you dream. It helps you uh, learn. And make sure that when you get back to school in the fall, you're ready to go. What grade levels is that? Is that for every student from like K through 12? I think it's more K through 5. For the younger generation as well, the modernized summer reading challenge. Now, here we are coming up on the holiday weekend or holiday week coming up next week for some people. People are thinking about taking trips. Maybe some people thinking going out of state. Why don't you go on your tourism soapbox here this morning, Governor, and say a couple of words about staycations and some of the good things we have from the beaches to the hills and even the quiet corner here in northwest Connecticut, northeast Connecticut. Stay home and enjoy Connecticut. Um, Look, Connecticut is one of the most beautiful states in the country. More and more people are realizing that. We had more visitors to this state in the last few years than we've had, um, you know, ever. As you point out, Wayne, it's... um, our cultural centers, you've got towns, you've got agriculture, you've got beaches, you've got the aquarium, you've got the boombox parade, you've got extraordinary diversity of things for all ages. And I think that's what people love. They're beautiful bed and breakfasts and nice places for people to stay, and they're coming. And I hope we welcome them because we want them coming back. And we have some good fireworks displays, too. I don't recall fireworks listings being on the governor's website, but I I saw that link there as well. But I believe CT Visit is the place to go if you want to see where fireworks displays will be going on the next week or two. That's what I would do. Um, And, you know, you can see fireworks displays in virtually all of our towns. You know, do it safely, but it's beautiful. It's worth celebrating um, America's independence and what it means. Say a couple of words about the news that came out yesterday about $85 million in state funding to address the flooding mitigation in North Hartford. I'll admit, I didn't know about that, and I saw some of the coverage on TV yesterday. That's stunning. So Some of the high water levels they've had there under not-so-extreme weather conditions. 
you know, this is in um, rural as well as urban. This was North Hartford. This is an area that has had um, severe flooding and sewage backup. Ugh, imagine that, you know, going back decades. These poor people have been waiting for us to get our, our water treatment and sewage system uh, up to spec. That's what we're doing. And, Wayne, the storms are getting more severe. These um, rain bombs just overwhelm our um, our systems. So we got to expand the pipes to make sure we can get that off the road. You know, our rural areas, we're fixing up our um, our dams, fixing up our wells, making sure PFAS is not there. So we've got a lot of work to do, uh, just like we are talking about remediation, continue to upgrade so we make sure you know what Connecticut's going to look like in 50 years. Hey, let's give a shout-out to your lieutenant governor, Susan Bysowich, actually signed some legislation banning marriage licenses for minors. want to talk first off about how she was doing that because she was the acting governor that day, and secondly, about why we need to ban marriage licenses for minors. Yeah, hats off to uh, Susan Bysowich for, really, she took the lead on this, and um, I appreciate that, and signed that bill. Oh, look, there um Underage kids, under the age of, um, you know, 18, under the age of 15 in some cases. And um, uh, absolutely wrong. You see what's going on around the world uh, in terms of, uh, often it's a form of indentured servitude or worse. So um, I'm glad that Connecticut took the lead there, and I'm thankful that Susan Weisswitz took the lead. And earlier in the month, you signed legislation allowing pharmacists to prescribe birth control. Why was that necessary? Make birth control um, uh, more readily accessible and do it safely. Uh, don't necessarily have to uh, go to the doctor or get a prescription. Uh, now you can go to the pharmacist, get the information you need. I think it makes a pretty good sense when it comes to um, everybody being able to exercise their reproductive rights. And yesterday you tweeted out a few weeks ago, seven Connecticut inmates earned diplomas in the first ever college graduation at McDougal Correctional Institution partnership with University of New Haven and Yale, empowering second chances and redefining futures. There's some bad news in the prison system that's on the radio today, but obviously some of these people are going to get on the street and become productive citizens. It was it was really moving for me. Um Wayne, uh, these were um, uh, men who, much earlier in their lives, committed a heinous crime, and that's why they're in a maximum security prison. But um, now it's 20 years later. Um, everybody has a chance to try and um, redeem themselves, and uh, they all received an associate's degree. Uh, these seven young men, they spoke. They spoke from the heart, said what it means to them, what it means in terms of self-respect, and they don't want their... Um, lives defined by the bad things they did in the past, but the good things they want to do in their future. Governor, always a pleasure to speak with you. Thanks for joining me this morning. All the best, Wayne. Thanks, everybody. That's Governor Ned Lamont, our guest on 14 WILI Willimantic and 95.3 FM.